This is a podcast from Minute Media. Oh. <laughs> it would be a wall spot, eh? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Wolves fans across the globe. Live with currently six viewers, it really is the weekend has arrived. <laughs> We're rocking with six viewers. Let's get up to ten in the next one. Oh, no, we've dropped to three. Never mind. <laughs> uh, right, Wolves Fancast, part of the 90min.com network. Tonight we'll be reviewing the win over Watford, previewing Sunday's game away to Everton and talking about game week 29 of the Premier League. On tonight's episode, I'll be your host, Little Dan, and I've got with me, Stewie. Hello. Was it game week 29, though, or was it game week like 14 that we just mm. played? <laughs> I mean, good point, because it was the Boxing Day game, wasn't it? You're right, Stu. Always a technicality, which is valid <laughs> and always warranted when trying to confuse me at the start of a show. And uh, along with Stu, we've got Jeffo. Good evening, guys. How's it going? Good to have you back. Uh, Tom Calvert-Lewin will be joining us soon, I believe. Uh, but if any of you Wolves fans are unaware, in the last sort of hour or so, Tim Spears has released a bit of news that Wolves are officially free of UEFA's voice-like financial fair play grip. Or in layman's terms, we've exited the settlement regime. Wolves uh, have broke even for three years, having previously overspent when qualifying for Europe earlier than expected. So, as far as we're concerned, we're in the market for Mbappe in the summer, aren't we, guys? <laughs> well, that and Haaland as well. So I don't know where we're going to fit Jimenez in as well. Yeah. We might actually have two up top. Yeah, man. <laughs> What's your thoughts on the, on the news, Tom, that Wolves basically are in the market for Mbappe the summer now we've uh, been released from UEFA's financial fair play grip? It's nice to be competing with the likes of Newcastle for players, isn't it, these days? It is. we, we, we might try and poach Coutinho from the Villa in the summer. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll touch on that a bit later on. Last night, Wolves 4, Watford 0, and Ben Foster had an absolute nightmare, which we'll talk a bit more in depth. But guys, let's quickly uh, start how we normally start. Willie Bolly was reintroduced to the uh, Wolf squad last night, starting in place of the out of four Max Kilman, we'll say. Uh, apart from Bolly, were you, were you happy with the, the way we started? I'll come to you first, Jeffo. Yeah, I thought it was a good, good team. I mean, I thought he'd shake it up a little bit, but the idea of taking Kilman out, I think, was the right idea. Um, f- just look after the lad, because he hasn't looked right since we all know what's been going on in, in Europe. And due to his connections in Ukraine, he probably uh, threw his head out a little bit. But Bolly just he, he seemed to just fit in like he hadn't been away. He was fantastic. He was imperious at the back. But the lads, the lads look well. Uh, and I, I, Neto, I didn't think I'd seen play t- twice in seven days. So I mean, Podence and uh, Huang with Jimenez made sense because Jimenez made that huge sh- difference in the last game when he came on, started to link play up. Johnny made his um, first start replacing 
the notorious Kiana Hover. <laughs> what was your? It, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it, Tom? Johnny coming in. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's just there's just no comparison in regards to him and Hoover and literally on, on ability. Um, like the fact that that that's I think wing backs make that system what it is. I think that system's you know the three four three with proper wing backs as opposed to if you play Marcel and Hoover or you know either choice or just defensive. I think then it becomes a five and maybe yeah, certain games you need that, but that's where you can make a you know sort of the uh, the three up front work for me. Jimenez, Podence and Huang up front in the three, Stu, was you, were you happy with that? Yeah, I mean, Huang's a, a, a curious beast either. He, when he's first touched, sometimes he's absolutely atrocious. <laughs> but then other times he looks amazing. And as we, we'll get up to with the, first, the opening goal, he's you can never fault his work rate. And against Watford, that was always the kind of the, the thing to go against with the Roy Hodgson team normally that you... You out battle them, then that's half the half the job done, really, because they're not tactically aware, are they? As a rule, and that's why I think because of me banging on for weeks about having three in midfield, I think it really mattered against them because well, we know where they are, and as was proved, <laughs> how pathetic they were on the night. Yeah, it was surprising. Um, it was yeah. really surprising. Like you would think that the way, the position that they're in, and, and you know they are in a little bit of danger. That Roy had have them playing tight, and they were they, they were really open. You know, we carved them up quite easily. You know, for a team we in a team massively informed with goals this season, and even over the last three games, you know, we turned it around real easy, and we carved them up for the first twenty minutes. It was incredible. I mean, you, I was thinking later on, what, is there a more pathetic performance at Molineux in the Premier League era, <laughs> in, in all three three versions of the Premier League that we've been in than that last night? Blackpool other than four nil, Stu. Yeah, I was thinking other than other than that one. But Watford was a DJ Campbell red card away from beating that game. <laughs> you mentioned Huang pretty much making the effort, putting a bit of uncertainty into the Watford defence to make uh, the, the first goal for, for Jimenez in the 13th minute. Bit of fortune uh, for us with uh, Huang making a bit of a, a nutmegs and then I think Jimenez put it through. Uh, who, who, who was the left-back for Watford last night? Because he was rapid, but I had no idea who he was. No, <laughs> tell you, it reminds me of Elakobi. They might have put it out down the line. It was like a bit he, of an Elakobi job. He had, he had no, um, he wasn't afraid to knock it out for a throw in, was he? No, no, not at all. Getting that first goal, obviously, I think he went through the left back's legs and also Ben Foster's. It wasn't a great night for Ben Foster, which we'll touch on with a bit more degree. But <sighs> I was a bit worried going into the game last night. I think it was a bit of a banana skin with the way we played against Palace, but. We did start well in the first sort of half an hour, didn't we, um, Tom? Yeah, big time, yeah. yeah. I thought the goal settled us down a little bit as well because I think it was a bit cagey, uh, maybe. I think they were a bit a bit nervous because they needed, they needed a performance, basically, at the end of the day. It was a big game last night. Um, but yeah, like what Stu said with Quang, like he just he just comes alive around the box. Like, you know, his overall play is up for debate, I think. As I say, like his touch is, is not the best, but... Um, Anywhere in the box, he's he's pretty he's pretty deadly, really, in regards to like finishing assists. You know, his his numbers look, stack up pretty well, especially compared to the other guys. Can you think of a scruffier Raul finish, Drew? <laughs> um, it it reminded me of one earlier in the season, earlier in the season, but then I couldn't think of what, which one it was. <laughs> but I have to say, I didn't celebrate it because I was convinced he was offside. Yes, yeah, so. was that that thought did come into my mind because of the way that sort of. Just how square across the line from Huang when he put the 
the pass across obviously went through the, the defenders' legs, like we mentioned. But the, Watford were just so poor right from the start. When they, you, you said like it was a bit cagey, but as soon as that, that first goal went in, it was you, you could sort of sense the full glass were going to come. But with the pessimism of being a Wolves fan, you never know. But then Ryan Aitnuri in the uh, 18th minute as it does a bit of hocus pocus. I thought um, it was actually uh, was it was Wang in the centre when he put that cross in. Yeah, I don't think it was getting to him though. I think there's a couple of defenders in the way. It was a bit of a weird. It wasn't really a cross, was it? It was, uh, yeah, sort of a bit of a weird cut, cut back. Really, I don't think it was ever going anywhere. But yeah, we'll take it. I was I was buzzing personally at the time because I thought I had Huang and I've got uh, eight Nori and Huang in my uh, draft fantasy team, so I was buzzing at the time. But Kucho, I think he actually was he the one who scored the bicycle against Arsenal the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. That, that same one. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's no doubt that. Um, his finish last night was probably a bit better for us. I think we need to just quickly get on to Ben Foster because we can make a, sh- a whole show about his night last night, all the abuse that he's given yeah. us over the years, <laughs> which, you know, a, a, abuse, banter. It's, I've never really took too much offence to him. He, he, he has been a bit of a prat, but I think I would have probably done the same in his shoes. Let's quickly look at Daniel Pedenti's goal for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> or saw that there, but Jimenez putting Ben Foster under a bit of pressure, and I'm not really sure what Ben Foster was doing. If you have a look at the one angle that Wolves put out today, because it, it, it did just seem like a clear and assist. Was it was it a difficult finish, Tom? Do you think, or was any um, professional footballer with worth their weight in 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 money should be putting away? Shouldn't they? Yeah, I think it took. Yeah, it felt the right man on the right foot. It was left footed, wasn't it? So I think that counted in his favour for sure, but. I mean, Foster's. T- I mean, his first touch went about ten yards from a, like a weak back pass. Then he tried to like hit it. I don't know where he was trying to hit it, and then he fell on his ass. And then he seemed really slow to get up and react to it getting back. So it was an absolute horror show from him, really. But yeah, absolutely loved it. What did you make to the um, the finish from Paul and Oh, he's cracking! It just couldn't happen to a better goalkeeper, could it? Really? <laughs> but he did well. Like, he just he, he got the sense just to look up and just pick pick it up and just pick out the spot. It was just a brilliant finish from from the lad. That was what I think we all wanted from Neto at the end of the Leicester game, wasn't it, Stu? Yeah, it was. I think that one he just ran it. He was just so so knackered that his legs wouldn't <laughs> manoeuvre himself into that position, would they? Poor lad. But um, yeah, I think that, I was trying to think is is Ben that Ben Foster performance last night is that. As bad as well, as bad as it's been since the uh, the Crichton game. So I can't remember a goalkeeper. But I mean, well, apart from Brian Jensen, maybe that once as well um, when he, he let but three or four in. But he got proper rattled last night. It was brilliant. Yeah, I think we, we had Lonergan. Remember, Stu? Lonergan played at the Molyneux a few times. <laughs> that when he that have we we've got to have that gift somewhere where he dived so horizontally. Through <laughs> yeah. cross, it's. I don't want to accuse anyone of match fixing, but that clip <laughs> is bonkers when you look at it. I mean, the, I don't know what he's even trying to do. Like the ball's like a good like three yards past him before he's even like <laughs> dope. Um, about thirty minutes after, obviously, we went three nil up. Bruno started jigging the crowd up. We'll just listen to Jem Frith talk to him a bit second, then I'll come get you. Up towards the end of first of the first half, we saw you jigging up the fans, trying to get them back to be louder. Why? Why was that? Because I'm here eight months, right? And this was the first time we are 
with three, three goals. And look, the same way they, they support a lot and they don't get, they cannot get me wrong. And I think after the first 45 minutes against Crystal Palace, the boo was more louder than the support after the training. So we are, we are the, the people come to enjoy the game. We are winning training. Let's continue with the, with the good rhythm. If not, they sleeping in the stands. The, sleep, the players sleeping in the pitch because I don't like I don't like that period between 20 and 35 minutes after training. We realize a little bit. Inspired the coach wasn't it? It was good to see him cheering the crowd, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done that a few times this season. I remember picking. I remember the Spurs game. I think it was the first home game. He was really on it like that. Um, and it does make a big difference. Everyone knows how much of a difference it makes. I think you know you can study all you want, and he, you know he's got a lot of uh, sort of knowledge when it comes to that sort of things. But he probably knows how important it is to get a crowd, you know, behind you, especially at Molyneux. I enjoyed the emphasis on the the point that he made in regards to the the crowd falling asleep and the and the and the players fall, falling asleep during that period. Because we were literally coasting, weren't we? But Joshua King had a chance at at three 0 which he he went through on goal and hit it over. Just that bit of complacency we need to try and avoid, isn't it, Jeffo? Yeah, it was. It, it, Josh King should have buried that. That was just, you know ninety nine times over hundred. He's putting that in there. But yeah, they really did take the foot off the gas. And I mean, that, if there's one criticism of the the fans and the crowd over the last probably say five or ten games, is that they haven't really. There's been no real atmosphere. I mean, it's been half of what it normally is, and it it never helps. And it's not sorry, Jeff. It never helps. No, and there's no, not sorry. many away fans there. I think it makes a big difference if you've got an away. You know, the Arsenal there was a bit of fire about it because you know there's a bit of banter between the fans. I think obviously Watford there was about two hundred of them, about hundred and fifty left after about twenty minutes. Yeah, that's it. It's like you, we haven't got that that back and forth at the you know the South Bank and the uh, North Bank have been having with them. But I did hear the Steve Ball quite a few times, and I, I think mm-hmm. I mean I, I had a double Southern Comfort before the game, but I heard that I'm sure I heard the North Bank go at one point. But can anyone clarify that for me? <laughs> I did, I yeah, yeah, a classic North Bank chance, yeah. Oh, North Bank, yeah, and then a... the, the, the follow it through with a repeat. They just give up and just start preparing to leave early. I, ca- I can't say anything. I sit in the Billy Roper, so there's no singing by <laughs> the me. The ultras. <laughs> what did you make to um, Bruno Genus up, Stu? I mean, the, the the game was sort of f- faltering a little bit, but like Tom mentioned, without the away fans, I mean that 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 following Watford brought yesterday was, was pathetic, wasn't it? Well, it just sums the club up, don't it? They're they're a joke. I mean, we all know what Watford are. They're a, <laughs> the um, the only thing they've ever got right is having that singing section in the semi final. At Wembley, because very bad Wembley is to get an atmosphere going anyway. They got that spot on, but other than that, they're a shit club. Who cares? No, I mean you even got um, there was a Keys and Gray clip earlier in the season, and they were talking to um, I can't remember. They were talking to one of their ex-pro friends, and he was saying about well, what do you think of Vicarage Road? He went Championship, and that's that's what they are. They're a championship team with no real. Noise, noisy way following. They've always been the same, but that was that was awful. I mean, you had teams in the Europa League bringing more than them yesterday, and that uh, kind of says it all. But it was Bruno was spot on. We, as you first said, we were. You can see how complacent we were being because Saul was starting to dally on the ball, and you think, "Oh no, he's going to do something ridiculous in a minute." Because he, he, they were bored, one and they had nothing to do because it was so easy. 
and he's absolutely within his rights to do that because I mean, I, I more than a few people I've criticised the atmosphere at home, especially this season, and it's not just a money; it's every, it's most places. Leeds being the exception, but it's just one of them things. And I think having a manager who calls things and says it as it is is refreshing. After four years of Nuno just being Nuno, we haven't had someone like that since probably Mick. I mean, it's great to hear. Mm. Mick yeah. would have been giving us like two fingers up when we when <laughs> when we booed, when we booed him off against Crystal Palace. He would have been giving him two fingers up on Saturday. Mick McCarthy. If you're watching us uh, on YouTube tonight, keep coming with the the comments. Jordan Pease made a great comment here. Pretty sure we took more to the youth game on Wednesday than Watford did last <laughs> yeah, night. That's an excellent point. <laughs> great point, Jordan. Uh, thanks for watching and contributing. Just before. Um, Sorry, just after half-time. Well, it wasn't even after half-time, wasn't it? It was uh, towards the end of the game. Ruben never scored that. What a Portuguese delicacy that was, guys. I mean, Stu had a bit of a debate with Gully in the WhatsApp earlier about what was the better goal between that last night and the, the Derby uh, volley. Is, is there anyone else mad enough to, to side with Gully there? No, not at all. I mean, he's probably, probably the best Premier League goal we've scored, but it's not it's not the best goal Nevers has ever scored for us. I think, I think the one in the Europa League is probably better than that. I'd probably say that's third on his list. The Espanyol one. Yeah, yeah, the Espan, you know, the, uh, the half volley, that was beautiful. Hmm. Where does um, that goal last night rank for you in Neves' catalogue, Tom? Yeah, I'm a, yeah, top three, I'd say. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit, you know, he's got this record about scoring outside the box. That, that doesn't count because that, that was just inside the box. I thought, you know, it was one of his better goals, but it was actually within, within the box. Um, but yeah, it was class, wasn't it? I thought he was going to, he, he shaped like he was going to hit it first time. And I think he, I think he said, and in the, after the match, he said he was going to hit it first time, but then yeah, he decided to take a touch. But uh, yeah, it's quality, and again, couldn't have happened against a better keeper either. Thanks to Ed Hag, who allowed us to show that video. I'm going to show it one more time, purely for Ed's reaction. I mean, you can't buy moments like that, can you? Absolutely <laughs> pillaged Ben Foster last night. Ben Foster needed a foster carer last night. He was that <laughs> abused. We're going to talk about the uh, how many times they showed the replay, the third goal as well. They showed the replay about ten times, I think. <laughs> you know, so even even the uh, you know they've got it going on upstairs at the Molyneux as well. It's great. The crowd were doing the Ooh, yeah every brilliant. time. He, it, it was great to see. Um, there was a moment later on in the match where the ball went into South Bank, and I was a bit frustrated at the time because the, the crowd decided to keep the ball because I thought last night was a, a really good chance to get our goal difference up. But that moment where Ben Foster is waiting for that football to come back, and those fans are giving him abuse, just. Lovely moment to see, wasn't he? It was top tier shit airs, wasn't it? <laughs> what did you? Um, what, what's your sort of feelings towards Ben Foster, Tom? Apart from, like, do you think he's a decent keeper? Uh, I think he was. I think he is now. Um, I lost. I, I hate it when players don't. I, I'm quite an advocate of playing for England and stuff like that. I, I really don't like it when players don't decide to pull out of internationals. That, that put me off him a little bit. And obviously, the fact he played for Albion, obviously, that's an obvious one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he has mentioned us in the past, but he's mentioned us almost like he's, you know, he's, he gets a load of abuse and stuff like that. But he almost 
talks about as almost in a bit of a positive light sometimes you know the atmosphere is quite good when he goes there and hostile and stuff which is what you, which what you want to hear don't you as a fan you want to hear that your place is hostile and not nice to play in um i haven't caught his podcast to be honest but apparently it comes across quite well but yeah yeah he, he seems he seems one of them one of them moves as soon as he retires he'd probably be a great laugh like if he went like the after dinner circuit kind of route I'd probably go and see him and something like that because mm. he does seem like a, a decent bloke and it's all it's all panto at the end of the day but until that day comes he can carry on being hated <laughs> to us. I think we'd all love to see it happen but if your side's in a relegation battle do you want your goalkeeper doing his sort of YouTube channel where he takes a GoPro into his his net Jeffo <laughs> um, I, I don't. I, I'm not sure to be honest because, like, I know he does it for his his stupid cycling goalkeeper bullshit. But yeah, it's 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 bizarre because he's like trying to make an entertainment thing off the struggles of what Watford are doing, and it's it's concerning really. Just focus on your fucking game and focus on being <laughs> a good goalkeeper, not this bullshit that comes out. You could like like you said, Stu. He could do it all as soon as he finishes and he retires. But don't fuck around while you're still a number one goalkeeper in the Premier League. Just take your job seriously. He ain't got long left. He's probably got maybe one or two years left at the top. But he shouldn't be fucking around trying to be a YouTube celebrity. <laughs> it's just concentration levels, isn't it? You don't want your keeper having to remember to put his GoPro in the back of his net at hot, uh, you know, before kick-off half-time. It's just like what you said, Jeff. He's made a few videos now where he's... He's put out those clickbait titles to draw more people into his views. I think he was pretty much um, masturbating over Bukayo Saka the other week, how good Arsenal was against Watford. Mm. Let's quickly get back to the match because I don't really want to talk about Ben Foster masturbating over Saka. Mm. I know it's Friday night, but I've got decorum. Let's have a look at the Adam Price's uh, player ratings from the game last night. And, and Who was your man of the match first, guys? Let's draw it away from Ruben Neves, who uh, Adam gave a nine out of 10. Um, oh, Willie, Willie Bolly for me. I'll go, I'll go, I thought Johnny had a great game considering how long he'd been out. Obviously, at Neves was man of the match. There's no doubt about that but Johnny wasn't. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, I think I think them three were the standard Bolly, uh, Neves and Johnny but I would probably have said Johnny as well. I mean, regardless of I mean, yeah, Neves probably put in the, one of the most perfect midfield performances I've seen for years <laughs> yet he still wasn't as impressive as Johnny was. Yeah, John, 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 in, John. Uh, in contact, uh, absolutely, and that that ball he took out of the sky was unreal. <laughs> that was, if, I'd say, if any any player in the Premier League had done that, like any one of the top six, they'd be creaming over that on Sky. Well, I sent when when they um, when Wolves put that on Twitter earlier, and I sent the link to my commentary mate who's been getting all excited about this. A few of the uh, the guys that they've got there, so, oh, can't wait! I went, yeah, this is the standard you've got to be at. This is one of the, this is our fullback who's been out for a year with two ACL injuries, and he's doing this. He's mad. He's like, like, oh, you're right. He's mad. Like, I, I actually I seen underneath the Wolves tweet there was uh, somebody posted a video of Marcelo doing a similar like touch, but he was standing still when the ball came straight to him. I was like, nah, 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 nah. That's not the same thing. The ball coming over your head to control it while you're moving. And do it as well as Johnny did. That is incredible. That is such high level skill. And like I say, for a player who's been out for a year, that's just fantastic. And just to see him back and and it, it was refreshing. Having Johnny and Ainuri was like was like um yeah, it was completely refreshing from the Marcel Herver um lineup from the Crystal Palace game because that was just absolutely dire. 
What did you make to um, Jimenez's performance last night, Tom? Uh, Adam gave him a 7 out of 10. He got the goal to put us in the lead. But what did you make to his overall performance last night? Um, I thought it was all right. I thought it was fine. I thought um, he's... Um... He looked up for it. I thought, especially after his goal, I think he realised how shit they were, and he was, he was, he knew he could add add a, a couple to his uh, to his tally. But um, yeah, I, I thought he was he was fine. I thought he was fine. I think his hold up play was generally pretty good. He had a couple of flicks, which you know we, we all know he does that, that that sort of didn't come off when he could have played it simple. But um, no, no complaints from me. I thought he did fine. I think we made a comment in one of the previous shows the other week that maybe him getting dropped on on Saturday would give him a bit of a kick up the arse because. He did seem a bit more energetic in in that first half, didn't he, Joe? Yeah, he was. He was a lot like his his movement wise was a lot like his old self, and I think having it was almost like getting the band back together again. It's just having Polly and Johnny back next to each other seemed to reinvigorate everyone, and even like the one touch stuff was coming off with everyone and him. It was almost like it, it was infectious, and he kind of spread through the team. And once he got to to Jimenez, you think, okay. And he was playing like he was playing 18 months ago at times. It was great to see. And I, I don't think if that was because Bolly was just there being a rock and like nothing had ever happened to him. But there was something about that team that it was almost like playing with their eyes closed. It was like second nature to them. And I think it, a lot has to be said for that because when we haven't had them for a long, long time, even... Nuno didn't have them, really, did he? But, yeah, I think it spread to... You could see the difference with Jimenez yesterday compared to the last four months. Even though he only got one goal and he he, he did do the silly nonsense like we just mentioned, he looked like his old self to me. It was great to see. Yeah. yeah. There was a, I felt that he was getting a bit frustrated in the second half because he was getting in good areas again, but the cross was, was neither coming in or he was too deep at the start of the play. You mentioned getting the band back together. The only thing that we sort of missed last night was Cavalero off the bench. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Chiquinho got the assist uh, for Neves' goal. I'm going to show it again. Shoot! In the last sort of few hours, Francisco Trinque, there has been a bit of um, an article released on Sky Sports News from Trinque um, trying to battle his way verbally in, into the squad. Jose Sarr, Chiquinho, uh, all got more assists than Trinque in the league this season. But if you look at Trinque's actual running stats, he's, he has got quite impressive stats and he's made the comment, if you just look for the end product, maybe you can say that you haven't seen the best of me yet. But if you look at football in terms of the whole game, you can say I'm doing great things. Uh, what's your opinions on on Trinko, Tom? Uh, great things is not true, is it? Um, he, he runs about. I don't think anyone can debate. He doesn't run about a bit, and he looks good on the ball. Carries the ball pretty well. But uh, you know, you can throw in ring stats as you want. Sometimes your eyes don't lie, and pulling out of tackles. I noticed that a lot, and I think he did that a couple of times in West Ham that really wound me up because that, that's the thing. I, obviously, there's fans we hate the most. Um, He's got, to, he's got to do something in the, in the box. When he gets in the box, he doesn't know what to do, basically, whether it's shooting, crossing, final pass. Um, in fact, I'd, I'd argue that he looked more dangerous in the opening few games. United, I remember he nearly scored that one cleared off the line, didn't he? Um, so I think in regard to end product, he's probably regressed um, from, the, from the start of the season, really. But yeah, so the work rate seems to be there, apart from pulling out of tackles. You know, you can't argue he didn't run a lot, but you, you, running a lot doesn't 
the cut it in the Premier League when you're competing for top six. I'll come to you in a second, Stu. What's your opinions, Jeffo? I just think the timing of it's quite poor. Like after what um, Lager said on Saturday after, about players, I don't think he needed to do that. I think if he's if he wanted to prove that, he should have done it behind closed doors and proved to Lager and spoken to him. He didn't need to go into the press. That isn't the way that we, we are players do things. And that's not the way that we expect players to do things. Juan, you know? Podens, Neto, Chiquinho coming on in front of him last night, Stu. Where do you sort of stand? Are you still on his on pro trinco? Is it justifiable to be spent £25 million on? I think he's signed his death warrant now, doing this. Just just because of what well, what we've seen with the uh, notorious KJH from last week. He ain't taking no shit, is he? And Trinkhouse way too lightweight to be talking like this. When a lot of times you can't justify. I mean, uh, he's obviously talented. Of course he is. <laughs> Forrest Gump did run a lot um, from some getters there. Um, but yeah, I think he's he, running style doesn't help him either because he's so languid and he just kind of he runs, but he runs in a way that he looks like he's not moving. <laughs> it's really odd. But he's almost, he reminds me a bit like Corica from years ago, where he was clearly talented, but he was so lightweight and he pulled out so many things that he was almost to detriment of everything else getting around him. And all he needs is, he needs toughening up, but he's not going to get that chance now because he's, he probably has regressed. Is that, yeah, that Man United game, you had what the first half of Watford away as well, early on where he looked, he looked superb and he, he missed a chance there. <laughs> to score and he's never really and in the bar against Newcastle and he's never really pushed on he's always he's been the same all season long and you, there's never been any kind of development in him where you think okay he's starting to adapt to the league now he, like Samedo it took Samedo till just after Christmas in his first year before he kind of settled down it took there another six months for the weirdos to kind of realise what he was and not get on his back all the time um, thankfully we were still not in Molly you then, but he's just not adapted to the league, I see. And these things these things happen. I just don't and without a preseason, I don't think you will. But to spend 25, 26 million on him, nah. Even I wouldn't do that. No, no way. There's better areas so we can spend that money. <laughs> like you say, that he's not proven anything. He's not getting no goals or assists. I mean, even Podence, who traditionally hasn't got a lot of uh, goals or assists for us, is chipping in now. So I don't see where he can get in the team. Well, especially when you can get Chiquinho for three million, and and then he come on and look more dangerous. It seems like a bargain, doesn't it? The three million for Chiquinho compared to what we've seen off Trinkeri this season. My main concern with Trinkeri is the the lack of acceleration and pace that he doesn't seem to have. When you look at the likes of Neto and Chiquinho, he's, he's only a handful of months older than Neto, I believe, and them just worlds apart, aren't they, Tom? Yeah, well, Neto, if you look at when I came in, Neto okay, didn't hit the ground running, but he, he'd shown more at this stage than, than Trincao had, for sure. And d do we think Trincao is one of the ones that Lars was re referring to in the in the Hoover you know, debate? I believe so. I think I heard you mention it on the on the post-match last um, after uh, Palace, because I think it was Fabio Silva and Trincao had got bollocked by that Alexandrus, Alexander Silva yeah. for not warming up properly when they were on the yeah. bench. And I think Bruno obviously was was fond of Trincao at the start of the season. And every, everyone knows he's got ability. 
I mean, I'd say Barcelona wouldn't have spent that sort of money on him if he wasn't a bad player, but they are very questionable in the last few years for their transfer recruitment. But massive concerns with Barcelona coming out this week saying that they might not be able to afford uh, Traore in the summer. We'll touch on Stu's visuals in a moment. Surely, Fosen being the multi-billion owned, valued company, aren't stupid enough to not have guarantees in place, Jeffo, with Traore? Uh, you, you'd think so, but it depends on what, what Barcelona have, have, have wanted. Because we needed to get him out because in, with the situation that we've had in the past couple of weeks with like Herber and that, maybe Traore was going the same way. We, we don't know what was going on behind closed doors. If he was becoming a bit of a hindrance, then they needed to get him out. If Barcelona was the only route and we could only get an option, then that's the right thing to do. But like I say, I think Barcelona are being coy with what they're saying about they haven't got the I money agree. to spend. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that's bollocks. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to get 40 million for Coutinho, aren't they, for one? And then, yeah. what is it, two? I'm sure I read they've done some £250 million pound deal for, um, I can't remember who that's with, but there's like a massive sponsorship deal they've just signed. Um, yeah, I don't I don't buy it. I think it's smoke and mirrors, to be honest. Or I think there's like a gentleman's agreement in place or, or, or something like that. Like I said, I don't think Fosin are naive enough to to just let him go on on, on the off chance that he'll, uh, you know, that he won't go there permanently. Yeah, and you've got the La Liga deal as well, where that private investment company that we're going to um, put 25 years by the, the broadcast rights for 25 years and then so each club was going to get a windfall that would then cover them from Calvin and stuff so it's all yeah it's all is proper smoke and mirrors like you say it's they're not stupid are they and I think that it was better to send him away than having sending him to a direct rival air quotes to Spurs for 14 and take that gamble um because realistically, even if we if he come back in the summer, we still get ten million for him. And get more. I think you get more if, especially yeah. you know, keeps performing for Barca. I think you get. I think you get more than that. Yeah. Um, you, what? Comment. I was just going to say you're not going to lose out money wise from what Spurs were offering. So to me, no. it made more sense for him to go and actually perform and do something in a league where no one seems to be bothered marking him ever. Um, no. What I, what I wanted to happen, ideally, you... was I, got, I, I just didn't. I think one one play Fosun could have had. I don't know if it's feasible. Was saying, look to him, you know, look if it's not an obligation, then you need to sign an extra year with us. We're protected. You get your move to Barca. Um, but yeah, whether that was feasible, I don't know. But that's how I'd have played it because then he could have come back and he'd still have, he'd have a couple of years, and we're still in a position to negotiate a better deal. Uh, everyone gets what they want, but yeah, that was just my, my idea. Know? Jeff, I was commenting a minute, Stu. Did you think Adama was a hindrance behind the scenes at all? Nah, no. I think I think from a um, from a person point of view, he seemed like an absolute brilliant guy. I mean, he was always in the he was always in the charity videos, wasn't he? And like the Christmas things and going to the hospitals, and he was the one where it went to Compton Hospice as well. It was always him and Cody and Ruddy normally, and he, he was always up for that kind of thing. So as a person, I don't I think he was the complete opposite of that. I think. He was probably a hindrance in the fact that you could. How do you even set up training with him around because of how what he's like? Because you can't do work on shape work because he never sticks to it anyway. He's very unique, any in whichever position you want to play him in. So you can't really do anything tactics wise. And he was never involved in like 30, 30 plus pass movements, was he? So from that point of view, he, um, he can't. He might have been, 
and especially since it wasn't really working I mean, on paper wise um other than carrying the the ball up the pitch so I don't think it was a bad egg. I just think it, did, it, it it fizzled out to the point where it wasn't working anymore. Massive frustration that Fawson didn't take the gamble, the gamble and just keep him until the end of the season because he literally could have been the difference between us finishing 4-4, maybe where we're going to end up the, the, the end of this season. Jordan Pease made another comment. Trinko has shown more petulance slash ego problems than Adama did in his entire time at the club. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree with that. Like, I, actually, I probably came out wrong what I said about Adama. I, I, what I meant was more the you know you have a chance that that could develop. I would never accuse it because, like you say, he's been a model professional. I wouldn't want to say anything uh, turn about the lad because he's been fantastic while he's been here. The Brentford yeah, like celebration it. for the non-goal as well, I think, um, said a lot to me. I think uh, you know. Well, everyone was delighted when he scored at Southampton, and then and then yeah, like you know, the jumping on large and, and and you know, and then sort of you know they were cuddling him when he was going over to the fans and stuff like that. I think I think said quite a bit. It was a nice moment, really. That um, that Adama non-goal, really the reaction of it, because I think it was Adama's way of just saying thank you to the coaching staff for letting him have his move. I think. Um, yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah, Ivan Seedov in the comments says VUR for life. I'm just I'm just gonna just post it up there because I thought you know we'd I get many YouTube comments. So make you make your mind up whatever whatever you want to make of that. We'll have a quick break and then we'll talk about Everton and game week 29. Hi all. Gully from Wolves Fancast here, and just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans, I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here, some outside-of-the-box thinking there, but our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs, with our very own WolvesFancast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We may have just had our answer. Welcome back, guys, to the Wars Fancast, part of the 90min.com network. Sunday, we travel to Merseyside to play Frank Lampard's Everton in Game Week 29 of the Premier League. Some tasty fixtures before we touch on uh, Everton in depth. Tom, I'll come to you first. Pick me three sides that are going to get a win this weekend, this game week, sorry. Uh, Liverpool. Um, ooh. Arsenal. And Southampton. <laughs> Liverpool away to Brighton. Arsenal at home to Leicester. And who, who was your third one? Southampton will beat Watford. Southampton, yeah, I think after after, after watching Watford uh, last night, I think they're they're doomed for relegation. But the fixture above that, Leeds versus Norwich, I think if Leeds can get a a point there, I think that that might be sort of leading the way for for Leeds to get relegated. Do you think Burnley can get out of this, Jeffo? It's difficult because normally, I mean, Burnley are tr- traditionally slow stars, um, but the player that they probably need in this situation. Uh, Chris Wood, I mean, they got rid of him. I mean, Vegas is not a bad player, but to expect somebody who's played in the Bundesliga to come over and hit the ground running so quickly is, is ridiculous. And 
I think it might just be time running out now. I think that I think that might be it. I might I think Deitch has done fantastic for the seasons that have been there, but I think that might be one season too far. What's your opinions on the relegation uh, tables uh, lining up? Uh, I think Perth obviously I just um, mentioned their leads getting dragged into it. Look at the, those two teams below. Um, but three games in hand by on sorry, Everton have got three games in hand on Leeds and Burnley got two games in hand on Leeds with only sort of two points and one points respectively. Which, what, what's your sort of way you feel it's uh leading up, Tom? I think Burnley will get out of it. Oh, I've got to disagree, Jeff. I think, I think, um, I just, I just, I went back against them because they, they seem to do it every year. Um, and Leeds are in free fall. Um, so. Yeah, I think Burnley will get. I don't think Everton will go down, even though I mean their fixtures look horrible. Um, but I, I still think they've got too much. I think they've got. A lot, I think a lot of their games are Goodison and are a different beast at home. Um, if I had to call it now, I'd say Norwich, Watford, and Leeds. Agree with that, Stu? Is Norwich and Watford is to give an A. Um, Burnley, it's it's like, it, they're just like modern Coventry, and then when they. <laughs> You never thought it was going to happen every year. They were just teetering there. Um, but Leeds deserve to go down for that goal difference. Yeah, Leeds. I mean, Leeds are a joke. I mean, everyone, everyone getting all overexcited last year. Oh, it's wonderful to watch. Well, how is it the shit? You can't play like this every week. They get battered and then they score a few and win a few games. Then get battered again. It's it was it was always going to end like this, um, regardless of Bamford being injured or not. I mean, other than that last win for Brentford, I thought Brentford were nailed on, um, just because they, they dropped like a stone, like like Blackpool and Hall and every, other teams like that have done after a decent start. Um, now, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. I mean, that, common sense would say it would be Leeds, but I think if Everton don't get anything in the next week and a half, they could go. I mean, it would be amazing if it happened. It's because I mean, none of the none of the players have got relegation clauses. Obviously, they've got that, that silly floating stadium to to go and play in. So it would just be I mean, send all or nothing there next year. Let's let's watch that collapse in the championship because that it's going to be Leeds fish tank all over again. You can't mm. see how they're going to get out of it if they went down. And you're right. They're, they're, that, they're that team of the of the typical football cliche. They're too good to go down. They have got players like Richarlison and Dominic Calvert Lewin, but they just they just seem to be leaking goals, and just, they can't seem. Michael Keane just does, looks a shadow of the player he was when he was at Burnley. Yeah, absolute shadow. Yeah, he's, he's been shocking. And Yerry Mina doesn't seem to get any game time anymore. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on. He's Sham- always injured, isn't he? I think. Yeah, Mina. Seamus Sh- Coleman's about five years past his sell by date. I was going to say 500 years passes it. So I mean, I mean, he, he probably, <laughs> it feels like he's been around for like 40 years now, Seamus Coleman. I'm, I'm sure I had him in my very first fantasy Premier League team, which feels about like 20 years ago now. <laughs> I know you mentioned, was it you, uh, Jeff, that said you fancy Burnley to get relegated? Jordan P says, Burnley, no, they aren't going to win the league. So they cocktease their fans with potential relegation every year and save themselves for complete ecstasy. You can't really knock them, really. The, the, they have had this sort of relegation escape for, for a lot of years now but like we said maybe they have run its course I'd personally like Everton to go down because no one really expected it 
he would. I like I like Frank Lampard. I've, I've always been a fan of fan of Frank Lampard, but I would like to see him take them down just because. So just they've never been relegated. They've always had. They've always, that's always been their sort of tagline to give themselves sort of any enthusiasm to keep supporting the club. What who do who do you want to go down, Tom? Oh well, now Newcastle are out of it. I really wanted Newcastle to go down, but that, obviously that's not happening now. But yeah, if I could pick a team, it'd be Everton. Yeah. I generally look at things, I try and look at things, uh, apart from like rivalries like obviously Albion Villa, that sort of stuff, I try and look at things from a Wolves point of view. And if I was, you know, if we were Wolves as a club, who, which team would you want to go down? And I'd say Everton because they, they, you know, until, you know, they're, they're, they're there or thereabouts, look what, where we are, obviously not this season, but have been in the past. They sort of, we sort of compete for similar players. Um, whereas there's other teams, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be competing with people like, you know, Watford and, and arguably Leeds and, and, and Burnley for, for the same type of players. So from a with my Wolves hat on as well, I'd, I'd, I'd say Everton, yeah. And the fact, the fact that they've spent half a billion quid in the last five years to, on get, releg- <laughs> to get relegated in place of Burnley, it'd be, it'd yeah. be brilliant. Can yeah, anyone, agreed. without putting themselves into legal trouble, tell me what the latest on Gilfie Sigurdsson is? Because I was un- under the impression that he was just released from jail. I mean, released from where? Yeah. If, if I was Everton, I wouldn't touch him with a fucking barge pole for the rest of his career now because he's tainted. Even if he comes out innocent, he's tainted by that whole thing. Did, did, how much did they spend on him? Was really it fifty-five quiet. million? Mm. Or was it thirty-five? You said Tom, they spent some serious trust and they deserve to get relegated for that alone. What? Let's see. Balassi, thirty million. Was it? Awobi, thirty million. Um, the world, yeah, one. absolutely. Yeah. Like Sergeson, class is it class and yelly class in the science? Mm. Um, mm. absolute shite. So, I'm Tosin, they had a Sam Holiday special, didn't they? With Tosin, was it 25 million? Had a couple of games. Simon Geds in the comments section. I don't want everything to go down because Liverpool, Liverpool fans will be even more in, insufferable. I mean, it's a fair part, it's yeah, it's a fair comment, but like. <sighs> They can't be any more insufferable, can they, Stu? No. I mean, they're, they're born irritating. So, how could they... it's not possible. It's literally not possible. Just, they can't even be louder either. They'll just be exactly the same, but amongst themselves. No. I just it's want to speak a... on behalf of the football community because our game, I believe, isn't on telly on Sunday, Stu. Am I correct? No, I don't think it is. So... It was only, it was only moved so, no, because I thought of the it was. Okay. It was only moved because of Watford. Oh, right. Uh, that's annoying. I thought usually when Sky come out and do these interviews, because they did one with Neves and they did one with Trinko, it's usually because they've, you know, it's because they're on the box. I didn't realise we weren't. The massive channel that the Wolves fancast is we're, we're going out tonight, Friday, live on YouTube, and we're asking Vladimir Putin just to call this war off. Let's get his goal back on the way, on the internet. Let's get it fully functioning <laughs> for all those fans who can't make it on Sunday. Wolves away to Everton, two o'clock. Let's have a look at the quick uh, look at the league table. Wolves with that win last night, going two points behind West Ham, who lost one nil away to Severe in the Europa League uh, quarter final first. Uh, sorry, last 16 first leg. Who who's who you got your sights on looking at that league table, Jeffo? I mean, it has to be West Ham, and I think the grudge match for this this weekend, Aston Villa versus uh, West Ham, is, is going to be crucial to us. I mean, if ideally, I don't want Villa to win because I I never want Villa to win, but yeah, if they can get a result at, at uh, Upton Park, one well, at Upton Park, uh, the Olympic Stadium, it all really does a favour because I, I think there's not much between us and West Ham in terms of uh, teams. 
Uh, and I think, yeah, we could finish seventh and that we push them down to eighth. I think that's just feasible. I don't think anyone else we could touch. I think Spurs will kick on. And I think Man United and Arsenal are just probably too good for us at this point. With and, that game we and that Villa have got on us, Stu, any nerves that they could finish above us this season? Well, they've got a, they've got a few tricky fixtures in the next four, four or five, I'm sure they have. So just to give them a little win this weekend wouldn't be that bad, really. I mean, uh, ideally, I mean, in that in this situation, a draw would be fine in that game um, mm-hmm. for everyone involved. But well, obviously not them too. But um, for us, a draw would probably be would be the worst thing in the world. But we just need a bit of momentum now. Um, they've got all the excitable as they always do, yapping around. Um, but they ain't really played anyone yet, so yeah. let's let's give them give them to the end of April and then see where they are because they feel where they and they've they've still got Tyrone Mings in defence, which is always a bad sign. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're right, Stu. They've got a tough run in. They've got, say, West Ham at the weekend, then Arsenal, then the Wolves game, then Tottenham and then Liverpool. I think, yeah, that'll really be a, a tough month for Gerard. And just to see how he comes through that, like you say, we'll know if they're serious contenders or not by the middle of April. Did you catch any of the Tottenham drubbing over Everton on Monday, Tom? I watched, I watched the goals. <laughs> well, I did watch a lot of it. It was absolute, yeah, it was carnage. I, I, I don't know if there was any sort of planning going into that at all. I mean, the defence was another level. Pickford's shite. He always has been, unless he's in an English shirt. Um, yeah, they've got serious problems at the back. But I, I do think they're a different beast at home. Because I watched them against Man City and it was they, they were they were good. It was like watching two different teams. I couldn't believe it was the same team pretty much that played um, against Spurs. They're uh, going yeah. to want to make up for that performance on Monday. I mean, they even met Matt Doherty. Look... World class the other night, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. he, he ripped him apart. It was like the old Matt Doherty against him. Yeah, I, I thought, sorry, I thought you were going to elaborate a bit more on that then, Stu, to be honest, because uh, <laughs> the one through uh, ball from Matt Doherty to, to Harry Kane was, was quite nice from the lad, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he seems to... But to be fair to him, when he's at, at that strange place, he's never really had, had a chance to thrive. As he's, always been, he's either been played in a four, which he was... Other than left back, he never he was, he was never really brilliant at. Um, so I played as a wing, an attacking wing back, which is what he was for the majority of the time of his, well, especially under Nuno. Anyway, that's when he played his best football for us. And so it's no surprise when he was given license to go forward that everyone starts raving about him. So oh, where's this Doherty been for the last eighteen months? Well, play him in his right position, and these, these things tend to happen. But Everton did make it very easy for him. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Jordan Pickford, England number one, with the with the performance that Everton have had defensively this season, he's got to be under under question for whether he starts for England at the World Cup, hasn't he? He has, but tell me a bad game he's had for England. Mm. He always plays well for England. Honestly, I, 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 it's weird. It's, uh, I think, it's weird. I think he's in a lucky position because there's not many English goalkeepers in the, in the Premier League who play week in week out who are no, consistent. True. I mean, Dean Henderson was the only one when Sheffield United were, were up and he was um, playing week in, week out. Then I think he should should have had a run. So I thought he was probably the best English goalkeeper in the league over Pickford. It'd be Ramsdale now, won't it? I think it'll either be yeah, Ramsdale's yeah. got to be number two, I'd have thought now. Yeah, and it, it, the thought of Ramsdale freeing though, he just terrifies me because you yeah. know he'd do something mental. 
Well, that's it. Yeah, because it was playing well for his club. But, yeah, it's no guarantees. I think international football's you know, a little bit different. He's out there as an individual as well, isn't he? he, he he's, he's got the... He, him and Jose saw the pair of them. They are nutcases. <laughs> uh, Hunger Like the Wolf in the comment section says, we have Leeds, Newcastle and Norwich to come. Could be tricky as they fight desperately for survival. But those are the games, lads. If we're going to finish in the Europa League places, we've, we've got to be getting at least seven points from those three games, haven't we? Well, Leeds and Norwich being at home is the big thing there because at home we never we don't seem to have a problem against them. It's it's at Ellen Road and and that far away dungeon of Car Road that's the problem. Um, so again, I haven't got a, an issue with that. I mean, the Newcastle away on a, on a Friday night is going to be. That's going to be much tougher than it seemed. That's going to be really tough. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, yeah. I think like, you take you. Of course, you take seven points from them three games. Um, but if we don't beat Leeds and Norwich at home, then we don't really deserve much. We've really. got Burnley away as well, which worries me. Yeah, because that you could throw them into the mix. Obviously, they're going to be fighting as well. It's always a stinky fixture, isn't it? Burnley away. It never used to be though. It was only under Nuno that we always. We, I think we'd gone fifty-two years or something mental like that of winning all, winning there every year. Every time we played there, then... that's in, that's incorrect because we went there the one Boxing Day under Dave Jones, and it was the it was like one of them games where we always win at Burnley. But I decided to go on Boxing Day, and we flipping lose, and Col, Colton Cole missed a sitter that day. We lost two-one. Is that Boxing? It was a boxing day, I remember it yeah. vividly. Cause I remember thinking, it's like, like you just said, we, we, we always win, we always won at Burnley. It was just like, we just turn yeah. up, all this, we'll have a laugh, we'll go to the cricket club, get pissed. Yeah, I, I, was, I remember doing it because I, I, cause my dad went with me as well for that game for some mental reason because I don't think anyone, anyone else fancied it on boxing day. And freezing and all, worry, as you'd expect. I'll come to you this time, Jeffo. Looking at those uh, game week 29 fixtures, pick me three teams that are going to win. Oh, I'm going to go a little bit out there. I'm going to go Newcastle, Leeds, and I'm going to go Villa. I think I, th- I, I knew why Newcastle are playing. I just think they could surprise somebody like Chelsea because they they really played well for the for the last few weeks over there, Chelsea. Apart from the cup, I thought the cup final they were exceptional, and that by the Kepper incident. They probably should have won that game. But in the league, they've looked ropey as. And I think everything that's hanging over the club, you know, is going to be tough. You made the uh, point just, Tom, about how sort of um, Newcastle are pretty much out of the relegation. They, they have picked up some good results recently, but they haven't really come up against the top side, like David Fletcher's mentioned there in the in the comments section. How, how do you see that game going, Tom? Chelsea-Newcastle? Um yeah, I see Jeff has point for sure. Um, but Newcastle haven't got that bad a record there, if I remember rightly either. But um, I'm not sure they'll win. They could get a draw out of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, quite easily. I mean, I don't think Chelsea, I mean, they've got oh, they've got massive problems, haven't they? But um, I suppose they haven't really got anything to fight for. You know, third looks pretty much nailed on. Um, so, uh, so yeah, yeah, I could see them getting Newcastle snatching maybe a point. I want to ask your opinion on this, Stu, based on the fact of how much they did a number on us Saturday. How did you see the game between Crystal Palace and Man City going on Monday night? Crystal Palace have always had a bit of a hoodoo over Man City, haven't they? Yeah, and especially at the Etihad, though, eh? That's the, that seems to be one of, one of them weird ones where it doesn't make any sense. Did they beat them twice in two years or something like that? Not in, yeah. well, not too distant past. Oh, uh, yeah. 
the, the uh, what's your damn goal? Um, Townsend. Was it Townsend? Townsend, Townsend scored right. that wonder volley. Yeah. yeah, it was an absolutely insane finish. But they're they're not that team anymore, are they? So with giving Man City a bit of room, another chase around and, and press a lot, but it's Man City eight. They'll make it. They'll make a mistake and then they'll get punished. I think not. I think that'll be two or three three no Man City. It won't be the usual easy. Stroll in the park is for the majority of the time, but I can see. I still can't see Palace beating them. Not now. I think City offers something like a little bit different this year than what they have because with Aguero leaving and them not really playing a number nine. Phil Foden is just. I don't know. He's gone under the radar as a bit of a, a false nine because he, he works so hard and he puts so much effort in for ninety minutes. And I think a couple of games when I watched him ago, he, he, he'd run all, all game and then in the eighty fifth minute or something, he trapped back. 60 70 yards and made a tackle and run forward with the ball. So I just think Pep's like tried to evolve the way that he plays, mm. uh, just to try and make it more I don't know, total football, should I say? Gully's just jumped on in the comments section saying it's back on again with lots of uh European Union flags, which I don't think you can actually see on screen. You look at that league table, guys, Arsenal, the next two fixtures, Leicester and Liverpool. Wolves uh, at home to uh, Leeds after Everton. Win those two games and Arsenal lose those two games. Win back in the race for fourth again, didn't we? Bipolar Wolves in full effect. It's hard to see Arsenal losing at the moment. They are playing really well. Even against, even at home to Liverpool, you fancy them? Uh, yeah, I think they could actually probably get a draw there because the Man City game they played probably, I think it was about three or four weeks ago, they, they deserved a point. They were, in fact, they were probably better than City on that day. And what Arteta's done this season with the, with the players that he's got, and to be honest, he didn't got many um, like top top names there anymore. He's doing a fantastic job. Mm. Mm. Well, why, why can't we just enjoy things? Why can't we just be, be all chilled out and just take, if if things just happen to us, it happens. Yeah, it's and stress yourself you. out. If it comes, it comes. That's that's the way I'm looking at it. I'll take I'll take I'll take Conference League at this point. To be honest, <laughs> well, it's well if we finish eighth, we don't get to play in anything, do we? So I don't know why everyone's got this downer on the Conference League. Regardless, it'll be against nonsense team that could be completely made up for all anyone knows. So it'd be a laugh, wouldn't it? So I don't know why everyone's so bummed out on it. it baffles me. What what's your it's, opinions it's... on Wolves finishing the Conference League, Tom? I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, yeah, that's great. You know, I went to a couple of the away games. It was great. Loved it. You know, like we, we, you know, we had a full house for Crusaders at home. You know, they're not a big team. You know, everyone embraced it. It was great. Um, and it might encourage them to really put their hand in the pocket and get a bigger squad, but that will remain to be seen, I think. Now we've been unleashed from that. Now we've been unleashed from that UA for... Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good point, Stu. I've, got, I've, still, got, I've still got that in, in the bank. Jeff Shee, if you're listening I'd love nothing more than Wolves in the Conference League. Just I want to see us back in Europe because, like you mentioned, Tom, Crusaders are a big crowd. Those those away days to like Braga and Espanyol will, will live in memory f- with me for many years to come. And we had this conversation on the previous show. Just sack the FA Cup off and focus on the Conference League. Win that. You win the Europa League and we'll have a second year on the bench in the, Europe. It's doable. Some of the teams we're playing there, they're, they're, they're practically Farmers League teams, aren't they? They're... they're... I mean, Leicester in there, and they in in that league in the Conference League, and they they pretty, they pretty much walk in most of the games they play. 
I mean, you're only looking at what Ren, Ren, uh, who they're playing. And there ain't many left in there. Fabio Silva, Europa Conference League Golden Boot winner, 2022, 23. It's <laughs> got a ring to it, guys. Everton Wolves on Sunday, 2 p.m. I'll come to you first, Drew. Score prediction. No, we won't. We'll, we'll, we'll avoid score prediction for a moment. Any changes you make? I'd be tempted to just go go at them from the from the very start. I don't because they don't seem to do anything anyway. Uh, like Achilles heel of playing against pressing sides doesn't apply to Everton. I know that they've they've tried it a few times and just got it doesn't work from. So that that bit of issue an issue in midfield, I don't think's there. So I'd I'd personally I'd go exactly the same as it was yesterday, and. Start with, and that's starting with Pedence as well. I mean, there's no, there's no need to rush Neto back, and we've still got him if we need him to come off the bench. I, I just think it were, it was so balanced and solid that you don't really want to be messing with it too much after what happened at West Ham after Arsenal. He made the subs at the right time. There's enough recovery time, and they said they're going to be light training anyway today. So just go again, just go the same again. As 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 long as he can go the same again for me. Agree with that, Jeffo. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, the only one who I'd even think about is maybe Den Donker because he always seems to have a really good game against Everton. He's picked up some 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 of his uh, goals that he's actually scored for us in the Premier League against them. Uh, him coming in for Huang. But other than that, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be tempted to stay the same. It, it seems silly. After uh, having a great result like that, after the uh, dross that we watched for the previous three weeks, it seems silly to change it. It's the old mantra, isn't it? You never change a winning side. But my only concern is these red zones that the, the science, sports science uh, team have been putting into Bruno's head recently, which makes him rotate. Any changes for you, Tom? Uh, I'd be half tend to put Donk in for Wank, yeah. Um, I think Decore's done a number on us in midfield before. When, when I remember that game against Watford. Um, absolutely bossed us. And I know what Watford had last night. They had three in there and they couldn't. They couldn't get near R two, but um, I think it might be a different story because they they play the core Van der Beek and then to Ali oh, or Alan. Gomez or Alan. Yeah, so I'd be tempted to put three in there and, and put the two up top, but it has to be the same wing backs. Otherwise, I would. Yeah, yeah. You, you, ha, you have to play those those wing backs. Otherwise, it just becomes completely defensive, and then and then you just lose so much. So, um, I'd. Maybe, but I, I wouldn't complain if it was the same team, or maybe Neto win for Huang. But I wouldn't complain if it was the same team. But I'd be tempted to put Donk back in. That's the only worry you mentioned, isn't it, Tom? With the wing backs, is whether Eight Nori can play sort of ninety minutes in in this quick succession because he has he has had sort of um, cramp issues, hasn't he? Quite regularly when he's played that sort of regularly in such a short space of time. But like you said, those those two wing backs have got to start having there. Yeah, and then it's 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 also I mentioned this point to my mate last night. It's 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 also then Sunday Friday. I think we've got Leeds on Friday. I think haven't we? Yeah. So it's not even that's two days you lose as well. So it's not even like a week gap. So whether that will come into his head as well, especially with Johnny and like you say, Nori's fitness. But I just I just hope he doesn't tinker too much at all. As I say, I really want those same wing backs. I think it makes it makes the massive massive difference. I hate asking this question because I hate jinxing walls. But what's your score prediction, Tom? Um, I'll go one or Jeffo. No, I was thinking a draw as well. I was thinking two two. Stu, I said one all at the um at the start of the month when I, when we were talking about the uh, 
results in the next group of games, and I've got I've got it spot on two for two so far. But I don't want to go that way. I want to say I want to say three one. I want to say three one win and another another high scoring affair. Just because how bad they are. I mean, that, I mean Van der Beek's been almost as bad like the one from Dawson's Creek, let alone the one from Ajax. <laughs> so it's, I don't think that it, it, they've spent so much money on Dross. Let's just do them. Let's just have a go. No, no, sitting back like we have before. I mean, if we play like we did against Man United away, we've shown we can play against decent players. So, yeah, I'm going to be positive for a change. 3 1. 3 1 win. And that's why you are hungry like the wolf. <laughs> <laughs> hungry like the wolf has also predicted Wolves to win 3 1. We're going to smash Everton and they will go down, says hungry like the wolf in the comment section. I'm with you, Stu. I think Everton is so poor at the moment. And after the way they got beat 5 in, in on Monday, I'm going to go Wolves 2 0. But I think it'll be a, a really well earned 2 0 where we, we could have been 3 or 4, hopefully. And on that note, because it's getting a bit late, we'll be back after Everton, hopefully, with another podcast review win. Thanks again for listening. Tune in on YouTube to the Wolves Fancast, a part of the 90min.com network with our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Tonight I've had with me Stu, Tom and Jeffo. We'll see you soon. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Stay out of trouble. Oh, <laughs> Who would be a Wolves fan, eh? <laughs>